0: All right. good evening. Our lights are causing some issues. There's some glitches anyway. So if it goes out in the middle of my message, just don't worry about it. How are you guys doing tonight? Okay, okay, good, good. That's good to to hear. My name is Zach. Uh, I'm on the Ascent lead team. I'm also on staff here at Riverwood. Um, And so I'm really excited to be with you guys tonight. Uh, How good was worship? Right? Yeah. The team absolutely kills it every single week. I love it. Um, And so today, we're going to be continuing on in our series called Bad Advice. Last week, Brittany introduced us to this series. Uh, She did an amazing job, and unfortunately, you won't be able to hear it because we didn't record it. So if you weren't there, you missed it. So uh, make sure that you're here every single week. But she introduced us to this new series called Bad Advice, and we're kind of looking at cultural expectations and advice and questioning if they're actually good or not, and then examining biblical truth and comparing it and seeing uh, what the Bible actually has has to say about that topic. And so today, we're going to be continuing on with that series, and I'm going to be leading us through some scripture to investigate the advice that the world give us, gives us that life begins when you're married. And we're going to investigate this, this advice and see if it's bad or good, and talk about what the Bible has to say about it. Now, how many of you in this room raise your hand if you've been to a wedding shower? Okay. Okay. You're young adults. Most of you have been to a wedding shower. How many of you have been to a wedding social? Raise your hand. (laughs) Roberta said she refuses. I feel the same way. Um, So I'm not from here. I'm from Toronto. And when I moved here, uh, I heard about wedding socials. I'd never heard about it before. And I kind of thought, like, that's an interesting concept. Like, you can't pay for your wedding, so you get someone else to do it for you. Um, And and in Toronto, we just pay for our own weddings. No one else does it for us. And so I thought, you know, this is actually kind of an interesting idea. Like, you throw a party and everyone comes and pays for the party and then also pays for your wedding. That, like, that seems like a great gig. And so I was kind of, you know, thinking about it, but why do we only have socials for people getting married? You know, why do us single people who move out on our own just kind of, like, have to fend for ourselves? You know, it doesn't, I, I think it's a bit of a raw deal. And so I, I sort of started thinking about this and I was like, okay, so what's the purpose of a social? It's to effectively it's to help a married couple start their new life together right so and I think that's great I think it's a great opportunity for us to bless them and practice generosity and so I've come up with a great concept it's called a bachelor social okay so I'm gonna throw a social there's gonna be raffle prizes it's gonna be kind of like a social slash shower because you're gonna bring gifts but you're also gonna pay for a ticket to get in then you're going to come and you're going to buy raffle prizes and all of the money and proceeds are going to go towards me buying a new couch from Ikea, some new dishes from anthropology, a KitchenAid mixer, because KitchenAid mixers are the key to starting your new life. <laughs> uh, and so I'm going to have all of those things and you guys are going to make it happen. And so you all hear this and you laugh. And my question is, why? You know, and I think it's because in the back of our minds, we actually believe that single people haven't started their new life. Only married people are starting their new, their new life. You know, and sure, there's changes when a single person moves out and they, they you know, they're not, they don't have the safety and the comfort of living at home and all of the security that comes with that. But they haven't quite started life yet, right? And don't worry, you can all relax and take a deep breath, and you're off the hook. I am not going to be throwing my bachelor social, so don't worry about it you can save that uh, shower gift to give to someone else. But as we examine it more closely, I believe that the, the advice that life begins when you're married is not only bad advice, but it's actually just straight up not true. And today we're going to be diving into Luke chapter 9 and encourage you to grab your Bibles and pull them out if you have them. If you don't, bring it next week. Right in the margins. If you have your phone, you can pull that out and look at the Bible app. Now, the Bible is a book. It's actually a library of books, 66 books written by 40 different authors, uh, and it's split into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The, um, the New Testament has a book called the book of Luke. It, there's three books, or there's two books before it. It's a third book, and it's written by a guy, you guessed it, named Luke. Uh, he wrote this book about Jesus' life and the things that Jesus taught, and so we're going to be looking at that uh, at that, a section of the book of Luke today specifically chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. So you can turn there, or it'll be on the screens as well for you to follow along. As they, Jesus and his disciples, were going along the road, someone said to him, "'I'll follow you wherever you go.' And Jesus responded, "'Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, "'but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head.' To another he said, "'Follow me.' But the man responded, "'Lord, let me first go and bury my father.' And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What this passage teaches us and what I hope to demonstrate in the next few minutes is that life doesn't begin when you're married— Life doesn't begin when you have kids. Life doesn't begin when you move out of your house. Life doesn't begin when you graduate. Life doesn't begin when you're married. Life begins when you follow Jesus. Chapter 9 is full of instructions about following Jesus. At the start of, the, of chapter 9, Jesus commissions his disciples. He sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Later on, uh, we read that he casts a demon out of someone he, uh, he feeds the 5,000. He's transfigured in front of James and John and Peter. And he even talks, about to his, he talks to his disciples about picking up their cross and taking it with them daily. And so it's full of instructions. And the section that we are going to be park, parking ourselves in is one where he's walking from one village to another. And I believe that this passage teaches us that life begins when we follow Jesus. And we're going to meet three people who are struggling in their lives followership of jesus and so the first person we read about is in verses 57 and 58 as they were going along the road someone said to him i will follow you wherever you go and jesus said to him foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head the first person that we meet is the person who wants to follow jesus they'll even say it but when it comes time to give up the comforts of life they hesitate you know, they, they don't know if they want to follow because Jesus has to remind him, you're not going to be comfortable. Jesus doesn't have a permanent home. And the, the trappings of life that this person might expect, they won't necessarily have if they follow Jesus. So this person is quick to follow initially, but then they kind of back out. And this is the one who lives with comfortable faith. Whether you're single, married, divorced, engaged, etc., Perhaps this is the person that you identify with the most you want to follow Jesus But you struggle and you hesitate because you want the comfortable things that the world says that you need You know what if following Jesus means you have to give up uh, That trip that you were wanting to take Or what if following Jesus means you won't have a forever home or what if following Jesus Means that you have to delete Instagram so you stop comparing yourselves to others What if following Jesus isn't always fun And what if following Jesus means you have to give up or maybe even change your plan to get married and have three children and a white picket fence? What if following Jesus isn't comfortable, but it's actually hard work? A lie that many of us have allowed ourselves to believe is that when we have the comforts of the world, and marriage could be one of those, is that our lives will be fulfilled. That everything is going to be perfect. And that's a lie. We are bombarded by messages telling us every single day that we need relationships and accomplishments and possessions in order to feel fulfilled. You know, you watch a movie and you know that it's a happy ending when the couple gets together. Or you listen to the radio and almost all of the songs are about money and relationships. And even the church places pressure on us to get married and to accomplish certain stages of life. You know, if you're single and you say to someone at church... Oh, yeah, I'm single. What's the usual response? Oh, you'll find someone soon. As if the problem, (laughs) as if the fact that you're single was a problem in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong. Marriage is a beautiful picture of Christ's love for the church. Married people, learn and understand that as you love and honor your spouse because you can do incredible things. You can bring about incredible transformation together. And you have an incredible insight into Christ's love for us because of your marriage. But for those of us that are single, there is also a lesson for us, and it's this. Singleness teaches us about the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus. Singleness teaches us about the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is enough for you. Now, that might sound churchy or cliche, and I totally understand that. I am single. I've heard the person tell me that he is enough for me and go, I don't know. (laughs) So I get it. But what we have to do is shift our perspective from what culture values to what God values. And if you want to do that, you need to look at scripture. Get into his word. If you want to know what God values, read what he says. Whether you're single or married, if you... Feel like you need fulfillment from an outside source like another person. Learn what God values and learn and understand that. Pray and ask him to shift your perspective. Learn and understand who, who you are in Christ. I love what, how Brittany expressed that in her testimony video. On my phone, my phone background, is a list of things that, G, that God says about who I am. And so when I start to doubt myself, when I start to believe lies or when I start to think that I need an outside source to give me fulfillment and value, I look at that list and I know that those are lies and I I see that list of truth and I apply that truth to my life. And I want to tell you a few of the identities that you have in Jesus. You are chosen. You are called by God. You are a new creation. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are forgiven. You are victorious. You are healed. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are accepted in and by him. Learn this. Make it, root it in your heart. A, a, A truth that has become like a life verse for me is found in John 8, 36. And it says, so if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. And when I begin to feel trapped by cultural expectations or by lies or by bad advice, like life begins when you're married, I go back to that verse and I remember that I have been set free. See, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to give up our desire for comfortable faith, and when we choose to give up the comforts of the world, we actually find real fulfillment and joy in Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we actually understand that we are no longer slaves to cultural expectations. This relationship The relationship with Jesus is the only one where you will be loved perfectly, and it's the one worth pursuing. So live with hard-working faith. Do the hard work of learning what it is to follow Jesus. Do the hard work of learning what he says about who you are. And when you do, you're going to go to him, and and he's going to say, it's going to be hard work, and you're going to say, I don't care. I don't care. As long as I have you, God, then I'm good. Do the hard work of learning who Jesus says you are. Do the hard work of walking in that truth and do the hard work of building his church. Now, if you're married and you feel like your spiritual life is dry, if you are wrestling with your relationship with Jesus or you and your spouse are struggling to to see how he fits into your marriage, then my question for you is this. Have you allowed your faith to become comfortable and have you allowed your marriage to become comfortable? Are you still walking out into new things with your spouse? Are you challenging each other? Are you challenging yourselves together as a couple? Are you stepping into faith together as partners to take on new territory for God's kingdom? Or have you become tricked into valuing what culture says you should value? Consider your priorities. Where are you investing your time and your money? Are you spending t- time together in God's word and in time together in prayer? And are you trusting Jesus to meet your needs? Do the hard work of assessing your life together and realign your marriage and your lives to build his church. A beautiful truth that this person on the road misses is this, that Jesus is enough for me and he's enough for you. When we follow Jesus, our needs and desires begin to align with his plans and purposes for our life. And it's there that we find true and deep fulfillment. When you understand who you are in Christ, you begin to know both in your head and in your heart that he loves you and that you might be single, but you are not alone. Colossians 2.10 says you have been filled in him. When we surrender our lives and truly follow him, we give up the idea of what we think we have and we accept and thrive in what we have in him. And suddenly what we desired and believed, knowing before him, has faded What we have with him is the only thing worth having. So live a hardworking faith. Now let's continue on. In verses 59 and 60, we read, To another he said, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The second person we meet on the road is the one who believes that a relationship is a good reason to not follow Jesus. He says, I will follow you, Jesus, but first let me bury my father. What's interesting, actually, is that theologians theorize that in this passage, the man's father was not dead yet, and that what he's actually saying is, well, once my father gets old, and then once he dies, and once I've buried him, then I'll choose to follow you. And so this is the one who lives with delayed faith. And perhaps this is who you identify with most, not necessarily because your dad is close to the end of his life, Um but because you hear the call of God and you struggle with it because there are certain experiences that you want to have first. You know, you say, well, once my, once my job gets to this stage, then I'll follow Jesus. Then I'll be ready to follow him. Or once I get married, then I'll follow Jesus. Maybe you've made an idol of your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your job or some other area of your life. And my question is, have you allowed a relationship to take the position of God? Have you been so busy looking at someone else's face that you've missed the face of Jesus? And have you delayed following him? Paul cautions against this in his letter to the Corinthians. He says this I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul goes through this whole thing comparing single and married people, and why does he do it? We read it in this last last verse. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul isn't bashing marriage. In fact, earlier in this, in this chapter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when he's, he says to them, he chastises them because they were placing singleness as more valuable than marriage. What he is saying is if a relationship pulls you away from undivided devotion to Jesus, then there's a problem. We should never allow a relationship to delay us from following Jesus, and we should never delay those we are in relationship with from following Jesus. Jesus should be the the center of our devotion. For those of you who are married, you have a solemn responsibility to take your spouse's gaze off of you and point it towards Jesus. And when you do that, and when you yourself take your gaze off of your spouse and place it on Jesus, then you're going to find incredible intimacy and love in that. When you take time to be in his word, to pray together to worship together, to serve alongside of one another, you're going to see your spouse in a whole different light. And you're going to fall in love with them all over again as you watch them walk into their God-given potential. Don't worry about the lights. (laughs) And if you're single, do not allow yourself to become so obsessed with and so concerned with who you will date or who you will marry that you forget to look into the eyes of the only one who will ever love you perfectly, and it's Jesus. Don't allow your desire for marriage to cause you to delay from following him with your whole life, because life doesn't begin when you're married. Life begins when you follow Jesus. You know, this delaying our faith is, is a huge issue in the church, and I think a lot of it starts with people who are single and are desperate for relationship, who are desperate for marriage, because you focus all of your energy and your attention on this person you don't even know yet. And then you convince yourself and you say, well, once I get married, then I'll follow Jesus because I'm going to have what I need to follow him. And you know what happens? You get married, and then all of a sudden, instead of worrying about the person you should marry, or you, then you start worrying about the person that you did marry. And you say, well, I'm going to take a year off of serving, and you leave your small group, and you say, I want to build my marriage. I want to grow my marriage. And growing your marriage is a very important thing, and that's great. But so you take a year off, or you take two years off, or you take three years off, and then you have kids, and maybe you have one, or two, or three, and so you say, well, I'll start serving again. I'll get back into a small group once my kids are a little older. And then they get older, and they do sports, or they do dance, or they do some other extracurricular activity and you convince yourself that you don't have time to serve and you don't have time to be in community in church because you need to take care of your kids. And suddenly, it's been 10 or 15 or 20 years and you haven't started living your life yet because you've been so concerned with who you're going to share your life with that you haven't been concerned with who you should be living your life for. What Jesus is saying is fix your eyes on me, and follow me. And you might be sitting there and thinking, well, that's really hard. And you know what? Jesus knows it. in his culture, in his culture, the most important thing that a son did, his greatest obligation was to his parents. And the greatest expression of that obligation was burying them. And what did Jesus say to him? Oh, forget that old dead guy. Let some other old dying guy bury him. It would have been offensive and rude. But that's because cult, our following Jesus is not about fulfilling cultural expectations of us. Following Jesus is about surrendering our lives entirely to him. And the fact of the matter is, when we follow Jesus, when we serve and build this church, when we get connected into a faith community, our lives and our marriages and our families are stronger and healthier. We cannot minimize the impact of, that serving and be invested into a local church has on your life, on your spouse, and on your children. So live with deliberate faith. Shift your priorities. Make the choice to follow Jesus because it's not going to happen by accident. And you'll never be completely ready. It's like what they say about having kids. You're never going to be ready, so you might as well just start now. (laughs) Right, Mark and Roberta? Say to yourself, what activity can I give up so that I have time to serve? Make time. You know, maybe you have to quit that dance troupe. I'm not in a dance troupe, thank the Lord. But maybe you need to give that up. Maybe you need to quit that band that you're in. Not the worship band. Praise Jesus. (laughs) Or maybe you need to give up that sports team. You know what? Bring those skills and start a sports ministry at your church. That's how Mark Roslin was saved, people. Look at your finances. What expenses do you need to change in your life so you can give to your local church? Maybe you need to spend less money on Skip the Dishes. I know I do. Take that money and invest it into your church's new initiative. If you want to follow him, then stop delaying. Regardless of where you are in your life, married, single, engaged, divorce... Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Do not allow yourself to become dissatisfied with and distracted from him. And remember that he wants to use you for his mission of love and grace. Following Jesus is where our life begins, so don't delay. Live with deliberate faith. And finally, on the road, we meet one last person. In verses 61 and 62. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The third person that we read about wants to follow Jesus, but they're distracted by the purposes and the other areas of their life. They become so distracted that they actually miss Jesus calling them. And Jesus says that those who are like this person are not fit for his kingdom. This is the person who lives with distracted faith. And maybe this is where you identify most with this story. You desperately want to follow Jesus, but you're too busy working on your degree, or you're too focused on building your online presence, or maybe you want to get married, and you convince yourself that, well, once I accomplish this goal, or I across this stage of my life, once I've secured that investment or dealt with this issue, or once my business or my ministry is performing at this level, then I won't be distracted anymore and I'll actually have time for Jesus. And I want, what I want you to hear plain as day is this, the call of God is not dependent on your status or your qualifications, but on your ability to surrender your life to him. Many of us have been heavily influenced by our culture, which tells us that our worth and our value comes from accomplishments and qualifications and other relationships. And so we focus all of our time on those things. But the greatest asset in the economy of Jesus that we have is our ability to surrender our lives to him. And when we do, we ultimately find our greatest purpose in him. When we understand that Jesus values our surrendered life, that's when we begin to focus on him. And so, my question is, what in your life is distracting you? Is it your relationship? Is it your spouse? Is it your friends or your job or your education? Instead of living with a distracted faith, live with focused faith. Begin to refocus your life on Jesus. Make time in every single day to read his word and write down what he says to you. If you have questions about what that looks like, talk to Brittany. She does it every day, she's a champion. Place yourself in a small group where you're going to be held accountable to learning about and investigating Jesus every single week. And serve at your church and allow your time, make your time a priority for him. When you come before Jesus and you say, here God, I'm giving up my desires, my desire for this job or this degree or this person. He meets us there and he deposits purpose and passion into our lives. God has incredible purpose and and potential for you. Don't waste that potential on someone who can never fully love you. Don't waste that purpose. Don't waste the precious time that you've been given chasing after people who will not bring you the fulfillment that you're looking for. Here is a, a plain and simple fact. There is no person on this earth who is worth sacrificing your God-given purpose for. There is no person The right person to be with is the one who isn't going to hold you back or distract you from your faith. They're actually going to push you farther into the places that God has called you. They're going to push you into the places that God has called you because life doesn't begin when you're married. It doesn't begin when you have kids. It doesn't begin when you have a house. Life begins when you follow Jesus. When Jesus says to put your hand to the plow and not look back and that if you do that you're not fit for his kingdom, he's not being mean. He's not trying to punish you. He's simply stating a fact. It's cause and effect. If you put your hand to the plow and you're so busy looking at what's around you, looking at what's going on around you and not looking ahead, then you can't plow in a straight line. When you're busy worrying about, oh, am I going to get that promotion at work? Or is that client going to finally email me back? Or is this person actually going to love me the way I want to be loved? You risk becoming distracted from Jesus. Jesus. And the key to plowing in a straight line, the key to following Jesus, is to keep your eyes fixed on what's ahead of you. And so you need to surrender your dreams, your aspirations, your whole life to him. But when you do, you will accomplish more than you could have ever imagined. The key to following Jesus is to look ahead. And when you do, he's going to be there, beckoning you onward. Trust me on this. If you are single right now, you've been given an incredible gift. Paul says to the Corinthians that singleness is a gift. And I don't know if it's a permanent gift or a temporary one. But what I do know is this. If you are single today, then you can use that gift of singleness today. Paul says that you have a freedom of time and responsibility that you can use to build his kingdom, a freedom that married people don't have. And that doesn't make you better and them worse. We make a mistake when we place value, more value on either singleness or marriage. But Paul says that when we are single, our attention can be completely undivided. And if your singleness doesn't feel like a gift right now, consider this. Trust the giver. He's perfect and he's good and he loves you. And he has not given you the gift of singleness as a punishment Reframe your perspective to see what a gift your singleness is. And here's my challenge for you. Commit for the next month, for one month, to be all in, fully committed. Do everything you can to serve God and his church. And at the end of every single day, write down the things that you're thankful for from that day. And write down one reason that you're thankful for the fact that you're single. And I promise you that you will be amazed at how Jesus shows up in your life every single day. And if you can learn in this single season of singleness to steward it well, and if, should you get married one day, you will have done your marriage and your family an incredible favor because you will have learned incredible disciplines. And if you remain single for the rest of your life, then you will find incredible beauty and satisfaction in that life. Ultimately, Jesus is our source of life. When we follow Jesus, our life begins. And when we come to him and surrender our comfort and our delays and our distractions, he meets us there and he puts purpose and calling into our lives. And the culture says that that fulfillment's gonna come from possessions and accomplishments and relationships and careers, and that's a lie. And it's a lie that comes from a void, a void that can only be filled by Jesus. And so when you choose to do the hard work of following him and give up comfort, When you choose to be deliberate and not delay, when you choose to be focused and not distracted, all of the rest falls by the wayside because life begins when you follow Jesus. I love what Jesus says in the book of Matthew. He says, he goes through and he says not to be anxious and he compares anxiety to a bunch of different things. And then at the end, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. When we seek the kingdom of God, when we choose to follow and model our our lives in him, that's where we find purpose. And anything necessary to live out that purpose, he's going to provide for you. More than that, he wants you to be surrounded by loving relationship. He doesn't want you to feel alone. And when we choose to follow after him, when we prioritize our relationship with him, all of those relationships follow after. And perhaps you're here tonight and you are realizing that you're one of those people on the road. And maybe you're struggling to let go of the comforts of this world. Or maybe you resonate with the man who delays his faith. Or maybe you're distracted by other purposes. And as you sit here and listen, you feel convicted. You feel a burning in your chest that you want to change. And I want to say something to you. And I want you to hear it. Are you listening? Jesus loves you so, so much. There is nothing that you can say or do that will make him love you less. And regardless of what you've done or what you haven't done, you are not disqualified from being used by God. He's still there standing on the road calling you to follow him. So give up the comfort. Don't delay. Throw away distractions and follow him. Choose right now to believe the incredible truth that your life begins when you're married. Maybe you've lived with him for many years, and this is a chance for you to rekindle that flame. And right now, I'd like everyone to just bow your heads for a moment. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you do, I want to ask you in this room, if you felt like you have held back from fully following Jesus, and you, you feel like you've given into comfort, or you've been delayed, or you You've been distracted, but you want to follow after him. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and it's not to prove anything to anyone. Everyone's eyes are closed. But it's your stake in the ground, saying, I'm done being comfortable. I'm giving up delays. I'm giving up distractions, and I want to follow fully after God. And so right now, raise your hand if you want that, if you're all in. And I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for every person in this room with their hand raised and every person in this room who has that burning in their chest to change. And God, I pray that you would give them the tools necessary to make that change. God, I pray that they would see the purpose and the potential that you've placed in them and that they would walk into that purpose and potential. God, we love you and all of this is for you. And all of God's people said, amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a minute and keep your heads bowed. Maybe you've never taken that step to follow Jesus. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, I want to start my life with Jesus. And you know what? I'd invite you to do that today. Because he's standing on that road and he's saying, just like he said to those people thousands of years ago, he's saying, follow me. And all you have to do is say yes to that call and surrender your life to him. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And it's not... It's, again, not to prove anything. Everyone in this room has their eyes closed. But it's, it's your action, your stake in the ground, your line in the sand saying, I am done living without him and I want to walk into life with him. And so you can raise your hand. And I'm going to pray for you right now and I'd ask you to pray this in your own heart as, as I say it. Jesus, I want to follow you. Thank you for your death on the cross, which has forgiven me. Thank you for your resurrection, through which I know that death has been defeated. Thank you for the purpose you have given me. I choose to follow that purpose, and please help me. Amen. Amen. Y'all, can we celebrate anyone who made that decision tonight? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That is the best decision you will ever make. The best decision you will ever make. And there's three things that I want to tell you. First, tell someone that you've made that decision. Maybe it's the person you came with. Maybe it's one of our prayer team who's gonna be up at the front after the service. Maybe it's me, you find me after the service. But tell someone. Second, get a Bible and read it. If you have one on a dusty shelf at home, pull it down and start reading it. You can start in the book of Luke where we were today. Or head to the Welcome Center if you don't have one and we would love to give you one. And third, Get connected to a local church. It's so important that you do this life in community. And if you don't have a church, we'd love to have you here at Riverwood. But maybe you have family members or friends who go to another church, go with them. Get connected, serve, give, be a part of that community. So, life begins when we follow Jesus. Let's forget the bad advice of this world and live in that truth. Let's choose to give up comfort, and work hard. Let's choose to stop delaying and be deliberate. And let's choose to throw away our distractions and focus solely on Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. The band's going to lead, lead us in this song. And, you know, it talks about the love, like falling in love with Jesus, falling to our knees because of the love that he has for us. And I encourage you, to tap into that, understand how real that incredible love is. It's amazing. All right, I need some water. You know what? Actually, totally off script. And I know I'm over and whatever. Mark will forgive me. Um, I have a cold. I, it's probably, if you think I sound really weird, that's just how I sound. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> if I sound really weird, it's because I have a cold. And you know what? Coming, leading up to this message, I kept saying, you know what? Devil, not today. Okay, you're not taking me down because I have a word that these people need to hear. You ha- God has a word that these people need to hear and you know what there's been people praying for me and I have felt so much energy and so much healing because of that you know I said to the team back there I said I need a big glass of water because I'm going to need to drink water the whole time to keep going and that was the first sip of water I took and so it's just a little thing but you know God is in the little things and he's in the big things and he wants to bring healing to your life and he loves you and let's worship him